Well, if, if, if you've been with us uh, throughout this season of Lent, uh, you've known that, that we've been taking a look at how Jesus spent every day in his last week on earth before he died. Well, we've made it to Friday, although it's very early in the morning on Friday. You see, Jesus had just been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, it's still in the middle of the night, maybe between 1 and 3 a.m., And when Jesus was captured by a mob, he wasn't really arrested. It was a mob that came and kidnapped him, really. Uh, They were sent by the religious leaders. When that happened, his disciples scattered. They just took off running. They were scared. What was once a close community is now a group of dispersed individuals. See, they didn't want to be arrested themselves, so they fled and they hid That is, except for Peter. Peter didn't run and hide. Instead, he kind of stayed behind and he watched from a distance as this gang armed with clubs and swords took Jesus away. Peter didn't want to be too close to what was happening. Uh, He he didn't want to get arrested himself, so he tried to kind of blend in with the crowd. Remember that this is in the middle of the night. They didn't have street lights. They didn't have... um, flashlights, just torches and and lamps to light their way. It was dark, it was confusing, and what was once a quiet night on the outskirts of Jerusalem was now full of noise. His captors led Jesus uh, to the palace of Caiaphas, who was the high priest. That ought to tell you something, that the high priest didn't live in a house, he lived in a palace. So that's where they took him. All of the religious leaders were there. It was, it was the middle of the night, but they were all assembled because they knew that Jesus was going to be captured that night. They were there waiting for him to arrive because they were the ones, after all, who paid Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, to set up Jesus so he could be kidnapped and, and brought in for questioning. So Peter followed the crowd into the palace And he sat with the palace servants off off to the side just to kind of watch to see what was going to happen. Maybe nobody would recognize him. So they began to question Jesus, trying to get his own words to convict him. For example, if Jesus called himself God, then they would know he's a heretic and he deserved death. And if Jesus admitted to saying that he was going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days, then... My goodness, he should be put to death for treason. So as Peter sat there watching all of this, a woman came up to him and said, Hey, weren't you there when they arrested Jesus? I guess she was. Everybody around him looked at Peter. He replied, Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just here to watch like you are. So Peter knew his cover was probably blown, so he got up. And he walked out to the courtyard of the palace where other people were standing. And as soon as he got out to the courtyard, another woman said, Hey, everybody, I think this guy was with Jesus. Peter looked around and said, What? Don't be crazy. I don't even know the guy. Again, he denied Jesus. Well, after he said this a little while later, some of the folks who were gathered there Notice something about the way Peter spoke. And they said, look, we can tell by your accent that you're from up north where Jesus is from. 
You have to have been with him. Because nobody like, nobody around here speaks like that. His accent gave him away. It's like somebody from New York saying, listen, y'all, I ain't from the South. Accent will give you away. Yes, you are, because of the way you talk. Peter's accent, he had an accent from people who lived in the North. Well, at this point, Peter completely lost it. He knew he was on the verge of being captured himself. Matthew says that he began to curse and swear. And the language that Matthew uses in the Bible is so strong, so profound, that it's shocking that one disciple would throw another disciple under the bus like that. Because Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And Peter, who knows, maybe years later, you know, Matthew, you really threw me under the bus when you talked about me and that night Jesus was arrested. Because this is strong language. When Matthew writes that Jesus cursed and swore, it's the only time in the Bible where it says that someone did this. The entire Bible. This is over-the-top language here. Peter is adamant that he didn't know Jesus. He wanted this crowd to know without any doubt at all that he was completely unrelated to Jesus or his message. My goodness, Peter was complex, wasn't he? This is the same person that Jesus called his rock. That's what Peter means, Petros. It means rock. He says, you're, you're Peter, and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter was in Jesus' inner circle. And from time to time, when we read the Gospels, we see Peter doing something that would make Jesus go, what? What are you doing? I mean, Peter had just seen Jesus get arrested. He saw him get treated harshly. He saw all of the disciples scatter into the night. And in this incredibly stressful time in his life, Peter the rock turned into Peter the sand. The sun hadn't even come up yet. And already this Friday wasn't starting too well for Peter. There's something that's interesting if you pay attention to what's happening here. Peter was alone. He wasn't with any of the other disciples when he denied Jesus. Remember, we talked about last week how Jesus sent Peter and John into Jerusalem together to prepare the Passover meal. Peter had experienced what we call the Last Supper with Jesus just a few hours before in which Jesus talked about his upcoming death for their sins. Now Peter was all by himself. And like the other disciples, he was afraid. He was alone. And he started questioning everything that he thought he knew. See, I think this is another example of how Christian community is what keeps our faith strong. Y'all, we simply cannot do it on our own. We need other people in our lives to grow in our relationship with God. 
The earliest Christians knew this. You read throughout the book of Acts and they lived in close community with one another. They were able to persevere in their faith because they lived together in community. Most of the New Testament letters were written to entire communities of Christians, not just to one person. And even Paul's letters that are written to individuals are all about life together as a church. See, when things are going fine, it's easy to have faith and trust in God. When things don't turn out the way we expect them to, our faith is sometimes put to a test, isn't it? See, before these events of that early Friday morning, Jesus had talked a lot about his arrest, about his death, about his resurrection. Even before they got to Jerusalem, he said, guys, we're going to Jerusalem, not just for the Passover, but because I'm going to be arrested and killed, but I'm going to rise on the third day. The disciples knew this was going to happen. Peter knew this was going to happen. But when the events actually did happen, Peter and the other disciples couldn't handle it. And their faith and their courage completely collapsed. It's one thing to talk about something, yet it's something entirely different to live through it. Yet life in the real world is what faith in Jesus is all about. When our family arrived here three years ago, um, my goodness, we fell in love with you all. It was, it, was, it was the fastest that I think we've ever bonded with the church in all these years of ministry. And I remember going into the unfinished chapel in there, although Jay was working really tough, and, and others, but we've got to give credit to Jay, right? Um, I walked in there and saw the list of all the pastors of the church going back to 1788. And I read their names and I said, oh my goodness, how can I follow these folks? I knew that around 130 pastors had served this church before I ever arrived. Some folks served this church three different times. Did y'all know that? And I also knew that I wouldn't be the last senior pastor to serve this church unless Jesus came back before I left. That was easy for me to process when I first got here, but when reality hits us, sometimes we're not ready for it. And here's the reality that's facing Centenary right now. Asbury Seminary has extended an invitation to me to join their faculty as a professor of spiritual formation. And I've accepted that offer. This means that June 18th is our family's last Sunday with you. Now, I'm not leaving Centenary to go pastor another church. I can't imagine ever serving another church. But I'm leaving to go help prepare and train people called by God for pastoral ministry. That's a high calling. This isn't something that I ever sought. This was not even on my radar at all. It's something that just, it just happened. A door opened and I'd try to shut it and then another one opened, another one opened, another one opened. And as I've been processing this, I mean, other than teaching 
at the seminary level, preparing people who are going into ministry. I can't imagine doing anything but serving as your pastor. See, I didn't come to this decision in isolation. I've prayed about this. I've sought the wisdom of family and friends who know me best. And I've discerned that without any doubt, this is God's leading, both for our lives and for Centenary's life. I want you to know that our um, SPPRC, um, led so capably by Carol Delaney, and our staff have already met with our district superintendent, told him exactly the type of person that we need to have coming here. The decision is going to be made pretty soon. Um, I think the public announcement is going to be Sunday, April 30th, so don't miss that Sunday. I want you to know this is as difficult for our family as I know it probably is for those of you just hearing this. But as I just said a few minutes ago, I need to say to myself again, when we go through change that we don't know is coming, the nature of our faith is revealed, isn't it? So as we go through the next three months of awkward transition, I want us to remember that the church is much more than who the senior pastor is. Now this is not a test like Peter had on, back then because pastoral transition isn't anything like watching Jesus on trial. I know that. But in the weeks ahead, you're going to need each other. We're all going to need each other in, in, these, in these days and weeks ahead of us. But I know that since this is the most remarkable congregation I've ever served, and I thought long and hard before I could say that, it is. Y'all are going to be just fine. Y'all are. And see, that's why I think it's not a coincidence that on this announcement day, we're sharing the Lord's Supper together. It reminds us that we're not alone. It reminds us that Christ is here with us. That we're here with each other. And Centenary will continue to be the faithful church God has called us to be no matter who's sitting in the office at the end of the hall. Now in the weeks ahead, I don't want you to be like Peter who was isolated, who was alone. Because I don't want to see your faith evaporate like his did at that moment. Keep being a part of this great church so that God can minister to you through the gifts of others. See, God doesn't want anybody to feel alone, especially in the difficult, unexpected times of our lives. That's just one reason that Christian community is God's gift because it brings us joy and hope Let's us lean on each other and to be the church. This church has been around a long time. Y'all know how to be the church. Unlike any church I've ever seen. Be the church. Let's pray.